you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. All right, episode five, College Volleyball Weekly, and it's a fun one. Let's just address the elephant in the room without doing introductions. Jay, how did it feel like to get your first win against Dan? Jeez. Not only, <laughs> <laughs> but you're over season, and I'm going, oh, we have the CVW Bowl going on out in Fairfax. Yeah. Listen, it, it's, it's great to get the first victory of the year, and obviously – against a ranked opponent that's pretty nice but i mean the reality is you know dan's team is very very good we we just had a really good night we executed well the game plan was followed um and our guys came in with really good energy um it, it's not doesn't say anything bad about dan's team it doesn't say anything other than obviously there was a few teams that night that that you know had a little bit more extra motivation or some other upsets that, that seemed to be the case and really the bottom line is we didn't win the next night uh, and, you know, PFW is really, really good. So, yeah, we're still learning. We're still getting better, which is um, obviously a bonus. Uh, but we got a long way to go in terms of, you know, we still got conference stuff coming up. And, you know, yeah, it feels good to get the W. We, we learn what it feels like now. But now we got to, you know, the law of shampoo. We got to rinse, lather, repeat. So we figured that <laughs> out. We'll be okay. I want to hear Dan's take on the weekend just because they you may- yeah, I love all the uh, the metaphors you're using to close that out to seem very philosophical. But, you know, Dan comes in. I'm like, I saw Dan at Austin. Team looks really good. Even with the injuries, they were such a solid group of performers. I'm like, wow, that's going to be a strong battle there. But uh, uh, what's your take on this last weekend? I like to think I'm a giver. I like to know that I, you know, want to make sure I, I give to everybody. So anyway, Jay's team played good. So they served us off the court and we didn't handle the pressure. And if you go watch the match, they, they got in a really nice groove and did some really nice things. So props to those guys for showing up and playing. And I think the thing about we're trying to tell our guys, our guys got to learn how to win on the road. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's a, it is a task sometimes like when you're trying to, we played some tough competition on the road and really hadn't got a W until Mount Olive when we got, so we finally got a win on the road on Saturday. Cause before then we were 0 and 5. Uh, yep. and so I think that's part of the process is, uh, learning how to play the level of volleyball that you need to play consistently night in, night out, which ultimately we walk into a rough weekend with because we're going to go to Ball State and Ohio State. So I think hopefully we got a lesson learned and uh, can be a little cleaner on the road when we open up a conference play this next week. And yeah, props to Jay. And Jay is always a great host. It was great to be out there. And I agree with him on Purdue Fort Wayne. I think they had a barn burner the next night and uh, Purdue's playing some pretty good volleyball as well. So a team that's probably a little under the radar. There's seven or eight and one, one of those two. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that and doing some nice things. And so I, I think uh, uh, good for our league. Let's get the outsider perspective. Brad Rostrad of UCSD. Yeah, I'm just glad Jay could avenge our loss from uh, Illinois a little earlier on in the year. <laughs> the inner but, circle of hate is happening here. <laughs> I don't think me and Jay play Theo, do we? Do we? Do we? So it's like uh, we don't get to so. And we get Theo twice, so we'll we'll make up plenty for it. (laughs) In fact, you notice that Theo is missing. So let's do the intro. Jay Hosick, George Mason, Dan Friend of Lewis, and Brad Rostratter of UCSD. Theo Edwards of CSUN apparently on a modeling contract deal somewhere with either him or his wonderful, beautiful kids. 
you know, making the extra bankroll. But good for him. We'll miss him today. Uh, you know, he actually was one of the pieces of news this week. But let's jump into our first uh, topic or our, our normal swing of things. But man, was it something in the water last week? Because it was upset city galore. I mean, not just in Fairfax, but man, all over the nation. But the first one of, uh, to focus on was BYU's first win over three, uh, three one over Ball State at Muncie. Um, Brad, jump on in. Yeah, I mean, the Ball State BYU matchup was was really entertaining, and the Ball State outside hitter, I'll butcher his name here, but Tianase Kineishi Kineishi continues to dominate and go off and look amazing. Um, and then BYU, uh, Meeks continues to have a solid year, really good season for him. Um, and then just kind of, they've been alternating back and forth between Luke Benson and um, Mosier as their second outside hitter. And Luke Benson goes off for 15 kills. And then Heath Hughes, interesting stat line, 49 assists in four sets. Um, so a really impressive night there uh, from BYU to get that upset on night one of that matchup. Stout, go over to Jay. Yeah, no, I think we're seeing BYU uh, coming out the other side of having a rebuilding year, and and they're starting to assert themselves again. And you know whether or not Ball State is the Ball State of last year. I know their setter uh, last year was obviously you know the engine of that whole thing and did a nice job distributing. And their new setter is doing a great job. He's you know, he's obviously learned the ropes. So, uh, but you know what, it's, it's, it's proving that good volleyball is happening in a lot of different places. I, you know, I know everybody likes to say, oh, it's the upsets, the upsets, the upsets. And and really in the top 15, are there really any upsets? Granted the top four, five teams, you could be one of those guys. Then yeah, they're, they're, that's an upset. Those guys are really solid. Um, but even then you're seeing those teams playing each other within the top five and they're all playing really tough. And there's one coming up this week. That's going to be really fun to watch. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, I know ball state's going to be very good down the line and I know BYU is going to be very good. And there's some really good volleyball coming up. If this is a level that we're at and it's now the beginning of February, that's pretty fun. All right, Dan, close it out. Well, I think ball state might actually be better than last year. So I, and they were pretty good last year. And I know there was an upset there, you say with BYU, but uh, it was a battle. If you go back and watch the film uh, between those two teams, it was pretty good. And uh, BYU was pretty clean serving wise on night one uh, and Ball State was not. Uh, but uh, the they call him Mr. T. I have a hard time calling him Mr. T because Mr. <laughs> T, you guys all know who Mr. T is. Do you know what I mean? So, but uh you know, he, his numbers are pretty impressive and you go watch him and they're running a pretty fast offense. Their middles are zero tempo. And, uh, you know, Felix is a, a six year guy. And so they've, and even though their setter is taking over, he's, he's a, he's a senior, he's been there for a while. Do you know what I mean? So he knows the system. And so, uh, and David the Flores? Teacher, what's up? David Flores. Flores. Yeah. He's done a nice job. And so, um, and he's running a really good tempo off the net, uh, but then BYU, you're going to see them keep getting better. You know, we talk about mix and some of those other pieces, and uh, I think they're going to come away with some pretty big wins in terms of that. But I do agree with Jay. I think you say some upsets. I do think Grand Canyon is rising as we talk about teams. Uh, two, two, two pretty good wins against your team, Rob, which I'll dig Ouch. in. Just so, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, as we talk about some of this, I think that group of teams between 5 and 12 or whatever, those aren't upsets. I think there's – you know, there's really good teams and there's going to be 
you know, good wins and, you know, teams at home versus teams away and how this levels out as we go over the next month in the conference play a little bit. Good stuff. Uh, let's uh, keep it in the uh, MEVA here, but how about Concordia or CUI? I found out due to branding um, and the win over Loyola. Uh, let's start with you, Dan. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it. I mean, Uriel had a pretty good night um, I, in terms of talent that, that Concordia team's got some talent for sure. So, and I think Loyola may have gone in there and maybe got knock, knocked off their first, you know, kind of on the road, big travel trip out West with that group. And they certainly settled in the next match against Long Beach and they battled. So uh, my guess is like, you know, sometimes you get punched in the face. How do you respond? Do you know what I mean? And so I think that was what was key. They, they played pretty well, but, you know, compliment to CUI or Concordia in terms of, I thought they did some nice things. <laughs> Jump over to Brad. Yeah, um, Yuri Batista, he's been doing a really good job um, for them all year long. And then even some of the matches they haven't performed so well, he's been out. Um, so having him on the right side is a big piece um, that helps stabilize their offense. Um, and then for Loyola, you know, getting to see them and then we'll see Concordia here in a few weeks is their, you know, their first big road test and their first kind of big battles traveling, being on the road together. Um, and I think they started with Slotdower on the bench and then threw him in midway through the match after Concordia uh, started playing really well. So it was just an interesting piece of kind of like a shifting and changing of the guards. And I know they got three good outside hitters there. So kind of find the lineup that works on that night. And clearly that Long Beach State match the next night, they, they were firing on all cylinders and were, you know, one or two points away from being another one of the upsets we're talking about on the other end. <laughs> and Jay. Listen, I'll call them Concordia all I want because I paid uh, for a master's degree from that school. So I'm an alum. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, regardless, uh, Riley obviously brings a little bit of, uh, of a chip on his shoulder. You know, he's, he's new to the division one, division two ranks uh, or at least men's volleyball at this level. And, and, you know, he, he has a, a playing background where he always played with a little chip on his shoulder. I was fortunate to, Worked with him for a number of years with the national team when we were uh, going for the 08 gold medal. And Riley is a true competitor. And I know he brings that to the gym every day. There's no shortage uh, of FU, if you will, when he comes into the gym in terms of trying to get his guys to play hard, which uh, from my perspective, I can appreciate that kind of stuff. I like that. Uh, and I, and listen, Loyola is not bad. I think People get people get a little bit. Uh, they they don't understand the trap match mentality. You know they obviously are playing Long Beach later on in the week, and that's a big match, and everybody's circling that on their schedule because they want to play against the best. And and maybe see why didn't have the ranking, or maybe didn't have the the pedigree, so to speak, that maybe they thought. Don't think that anyone coaches in that gym with that mentality. I know John Hawks would never overlook anybody, but sometimes as a player. You kind of look at that and you go, okay, we can handle that. We'll be fine. They're focusing on Long Beach. And that maybe stung them a little bit. And then and Concordia had a little little outside hitter, six-foot outside hitter, who had a really good night against them. Somebody had, uh, had posted that. Yeah, oh, he was a, Johnny Anselmo. He was a Northridge libero um, slash setter and then transferred to Concordia and now playing on the left. How about these liberos turning outside here? We had the kid uh, from, uh, from Pepperdine last year. Who was doing all Spencer that? Spencer Wickens. Yeah, we got Wickens last year. And now we got this Anselmo kid. That's awesome. Good for them. 
you know, when you get a chance to do something you've always wanted to do in college and now you get a chance, you just go out, let it fly. So congrats to Concordia on that win or CUI. Sorry, CUI. Uh, (laughs) John Hawks will have his guys ready for the next match. There's not an issue. Yeah, and some of 14 kills, 545, 11 digs, block assist, 14.5 points against Loyola. Yeah, I, I didn't realize we had another inner CBW Bowl matchup. It was Vanguard against Northridge and Vanguard, the former school of Brad Rostratter, upsetting Northridge 3-0. We're to start with you, Brad. <laughs> I mean, I, I went through and watched it afterwards. And um, yeah, I mean, Vanguard played really well. They passed really well. They served really well. And that's a that's a team with a lot of really big physical guys from a 6'9 setter, Ryan Smith from Colorado, um, to Will Anderson, the JC player of the year last year from Orange Coast College, um, with all types of other players like Kyle Onama, who's been there for four years now <laughs> and, and is a three-time All-American. So uh, they have plenty of experience on the court and they're, they're a talented group and they played really well against uh, Hobus and the rest of the, the Northridge guys. Jump over to Jay. I, I don't claim to know, but NAIAs, when you have eight scholarships, see what you could do. Now, I, don't know if, I don't know if Vanguard has eight. I'm not going to claim to know. No. Uh, so that's they paid one Brad's uh, salary instead. <laughs> but, but NAIA teams are dangerous. You know, there, there's some different recruiting rules. There's some different eligibility rules. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that they're cheating. It's just it's a different way of, of recruiting and different way of compliance. But you know, the, the Masters, Vanguard, uh, back in the day, Hope International was a good team. They got better. You know, it's it's Menlo is another one that's, that's coming up here in the ranks. It's it's neat to see because it's some smaller schools with maybe some religious focus, which is, you know, obviously their thing. But look at the damage they can do. That's pretty fun to watch. I, I know it's a, a dangerous scheduling attempt by some schools to be able to pull that off. <laughs> and Dan. Uh, I don't have a ton to add. It, uh, Brad, his name is, what's his, Will's last name? Anderson. That, that kid's good. So we tried to recruit him. I, he was Juco. And so I, I'm not surprised. I think Brad had that program rolling. So I'm not surprised that they're going to beat some teams. You know what I mean? In terms of that. And they were doing some nice things when he was there. So uh, no shocker. Who, uh, and Ro, Ro, uh, Rofer's coaching, right? Yes. yes. Brian Rofer's whole nother topic just so everybody knows so <laughs> brian rofer is there and those listeners who don't know who brian rofer is uh he's got a few national championships as an assistant coach under his belt after 18 or 19 years at ucla or whatever that was so yeah he is he is quite the hardware I, I remember watching that match and i remember going god that looks like rofer and i went to the website and sure enough head coach brian rofer <laughs> good for you brian yeah, and after that ucla since he had a few state championships with miracosta before coming to Vanguard. So uh, yeah. he's got a lot of hardware for sure. That guy might know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's crazy? Those three matches are just on Thursday night. We still got to go to Friday night, which unfortunately Theo isn't here. 3-2 win over number six Stanford. Uh, who wants to chime in first on that one? I'll, oh, just, Jay. I'll just throw out there, Hobus had a good night. And, and, and Northridge this year for them to be uh, you know, one of the better teams in the Big West. They're going to need a, li- a lot of production out of Hobus. He's, he's got a lot of high hopes pinned on him. So 
uh, had a good night and, you know, Stanford didn't, didn't respond and it was a good match. It wasn't like it was a, a, a three Oh sweep. It was just a tough fought match, but good for Northridge and good for Theo to get that win. Let's go to Dan. Offensive numbers a little down. So I, I, the fact that I haven't watched it on video yet outside, I think it was probably just back and forth battle a little bit. Both teams hit under 300 and this could be another topic too later. Like I, I think offensive numbers are actually up across the nation in terms of what teams are hitting. So when you start to see a couple teams hit under 300, either the game's a little ugly or the defenses are really dug in and serving's getting them off the net. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that. So, but uh, not probably as clean as I've seen Stanford in terms of offense. And that's probably uh, due to Northridge and what they were doing a little bit, but uh, for good win, good bounce back, you know, tough loss. How does his guys respond? They respond by upsetting, you know, Stanford, uh, which is a great, Theo's got to feel really good about that type of response. So, well, it's interesting what you brought up, Dan, because one of the things I recognized that night was they shifted Hobus over to hit Oppo. And uh, you're saying the numbers going up. He had 21 kills, six digs, three blocks, chipped in 22.5 points in the night. So uh, that's an interesting observation with the stats because it, uh, my analyst guy brought it up to me when I was talking to him yesterday. Yeah, they shifted Hobus to opposite. And I went back and watched it. Like, oh, I didn't realize that he stayed there uh, most of the match. So uh, and let's see what happens. I mean, the piece that changes, they set him so much. I mean, he had 55 attempts on the night. So another one of those nights where he's just seeing a boatload of balls and um, obviously does a really good job taking care of it. And then their libero, T.C. Cook, had 20 digs. So uh, impressive performance there, digging and keeping the ball off the ground from, from the Cardinal. Anything else to add beyond that, Brad? Because I was going to shift over to you on the final thoughts on that match. No, it's just Northridge is, I mean, it's crazy to see. Like you see them, you know, get upset you know, the night before bounce back beat Stanford and just speaks to the level of volleyball across California, across the country at all these different levels is there's some really good ball being played and it's some really impressive performances and the teams that are going to be good more often than not are, are going to be separating themselves at the end of the year. Good call. The uh, next one is a uh, one that's near and dear to my heart. I heard a lot that night. Uh, number nine, Grand Canyon over number seven, UCI is a three one and I watched the match and UCI was flat. It's not to take away on Grand Canyon's performance. I'm going to let the coaches talk. Let's start with you, Dan. Well, Hickman, he's a Lewis guy now at Grand Canyon. And he's crushing <laughs> it. He had two great matches for those guys. And so, uh, you know, Grand Canyon's good. 10 and 0 right now. Got some signature wins now. I, I think they're, they're going to be pretty formidable. So I think um, excited to watch them as they get in the conference play a little bit. But, you know, Nick Slight does a really nice job. We talk about, you know, Camden's not even in the lineup, but I'm not sure Camden needs to be in the lineup. Yeah, you know I mean? so in terms of that, so, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, you know, R Rico is the Purdue Fort Wayne transfer, so they they've got some good pieces heading in the right direction and getting some good wins. Go to Brad. Yeah, they they serve the crap out of the ball. Janky Hickman, um, even Slide's got a nice little funky reverse hybrid. He pops in with some float. Um, they play some really good volleyball, and they they very fiery. You know, Hickman's talking through the net. You can see it even on the live stream. It doesn't matter who they're playing, whether it's Lee's McRae or UC Irvine. Um, they're into it, and they're, they're feisty, they're competitive, and, and that edge is, has been helping them here over the, this tough stretch. And we talked about it last week, and they had a really brutal stretch, and they made it through. I think they're 10-0 now on the year, and that's very impressive feat um, at any point in the year, and especially with what they've gone through the past 10 days. And 
to see that they still have one of the best players in the country who they're either load managing to keep them keep them going or, or riding the hot streak of how these guys are playing it's very impressive performance this weekend by them yeah and jay didn't gianni get in at some point this weekend oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh that's a scary team we've talked about them a lot uh so far this year obviously we played them at the first match of the year um it doesn't look like they've lost anything and uh and hickman janky is probably one of the best one-two punches in the country i would rival them with wildman and fisher which i'm sure we're going to talk about in terms of a two-headed monster that man they are just wicked fast uh and live arms so uh i'm not surprised uh i think grand canyon knows this is the year they're going to make the push uh, and they're starting to prove themselves to be worthy of that challenge. Yeah. So on uh, Gianni, <clears throat> Cam and Gianni, uh, they word on the street has been moved to opposite. I've heard from multiple sources, but he hasn't played because Jonah Gilbert's been having a great season so far, but they brought him in to serve. I'm telling you, I wish there's a radar gun because he is banging 72 plus yep. easily. Uh, tons of tough serves. I kept Irvine out of system, but it's his aces. They are just so precise uh, when he nails it, but you can see when it comes off his hand, he's got so much pace on his serve. So, you know, great weapon to have off the bench. Can imagine when he do when, how he's going to be when he gets back to full strength, if he's not at full strength, you know, cause that's the only thing I could see keeping him off the court right now. Yeah. So Gary. Um, Friday night still. So you see Santa Barbara plays Pepperdine, gets swept 3-0 at Firestone. At Santa Barbara, different story. 3-2 win against Pep. Uh, we'll start with uh, Dan on this one. Well, I think we know that Santa Barbara has some pieces, and Chalmers had a pretty good night. So uh, and so, not surprising in that sense. I think we kind of – some people might have rode off Santa Barbara just because, you know, I had a rough start and had a couple tough losses and – uh, you know, the record maybe shows it, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm wanting to walk into them at any given time to go play them because <laughs> it's a talented group and uh, you're going to see them consistently knock off some teams and have some wins. And I think if I'm, I'm Rick, it's that ultimate by the time he gets to playoffs is where he wants to be. He gets to playoffs and he puts his team in a good spot to make a run. That's what he's going to do. And I think they're very capable of doing that. Let's jump over to Jay. No, I, I agree with Dan 100%. You know, Rick's Rick's not well it's the wrong phrase he's concerned obviously he wants to win but i don't think he's terribly concerned about what his win-loss record is going up to the playoffs he wants to put himself in a good position and be playing his best volleyball at the end of the year and santa barbara is one of those teams you don't want to face them later on in the year so uh they're they're one of those teams historically they've always been really good and they're just they're figuring some things out and the home of uc santa barbara is a big west which is where brad resides as well so parting thoughts on this last topic yeah, I mean, it's not surprising at all. The Pepperdine and Santa Barbara play every year, and it seems like they almost split just about every single year, regardless of who's on the teams. And, you know, Santa Barbara now two and seven, and they'll still probably be ranked, you know, somewhere in the top 15 is just a testament to that program and, and everything they do and how they play. And going to Rob Jim and, and playing the Gauchos on a Friday, Saturday night, it's always going to be a tough win, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Um, so, yeah, it's no surprise at all. You know, one of the stat lines that caught my eye was uh, Dane Chalmers, 17 kills, zero errors on 25 attempts, hitting 680. 
how do you have zero errors when you're going up against a big block of Pepperdine? <laughs> That'd be pretty good, Rob. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where did that come from? But, you know, great effort by the former Newport Harbor outside here today in Chalmers. Yeah, I'm going to give him a shout out because, you know, that's for the kid a long time ago. Now I feel even older. Thanks. But, uh, hey, <laughs> we're finally to Saturday night. My goodness. Uh, you know, we had Pavon, the substitute for Jay, who did a wonderful job. I guess the winning ingredient is come on CVW and you're going to get a major upset <laughs> as Penn State defeats UCLA 3-1 over at Happy Valley. Um, we're going to start with, uh, we'll go with uh, Brad on this one first. Yeah, I haven't gotten to watch that match yet. Um, but, you know, like just based on how Penn State has been playing and with Bogner running the offense so well, when when that first contact, they're surviving and they're getting the out-of-system balls up to the net and keeping them on their side, it's they're dynamic with all three of those or all four of those pins now. If you add uh, Fisher into the mix uh, with everyone else, that's a, another team that's got some scary depth to it. And that depth becomes so crucial because someone can rest, someone can have an off night, and you'll still be right there competing and, and right there battling with the top teams in the country. So really impressive performance and just a testament to that group of guys they have in that Penn State gym and, and how they've been playing all year long. Let's go over to uh, Dan. Well, Cal Fisher back in the lineup, so it doesn't surprise me at all. And uh, maybe John Kerr not playing, but that's how good Cal Fisher is and what he brings to the table just from a you know point scoring perspective and defense and everything else that he does for that group. You know what I mean? And so and and then you're starting to see Wildman kind of come alive a little bit and get back into a groove. And so uh, you say upset, I say not. UCLA is at Penn State's house. They're playing that match, uh, and they played pretty good. And so, um, you know, I think uh, – but we did see the thing where UCLA, where, where they start spinning the, the dial a little bit on their lineup. Uh, and so, like, uh, between, Mike Miles, Partain, and Rowan, right, the two setters. And so and I'm a big Partain fan. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to kind of work through. Maybe uh, – they're trying to level some of that out a little bit, even though they have a ton of talent. But yeah, uh, two great wins for Penn State as they get ready to kind of go into conference play, I think, in terms of that. So, All right, Jay, close it out. The EIVA, I guess, opponent of yours. If anyone thinks this is an upset, stop it. It's, not <laughs> uh, don't... it's for show, Jay. It's for show. On the topics, <laughs> it's upset. It's for show. Listen, we've been talking about Penn State this whole year uh, as a team that is in the top tier. They just proved everybody and showed everybody why. Uh, it's scary that this is Fisher's first weekend back. The kid had versus USC 13 kills, two aces, hit 429. That's your welcome back. And then you played against UCLA. You had 15 kills, three aces, hitting 367. Um, I think it's safe to say he is back in the gym uh, working his butt off and showing everybody why you don't need to be 6'9 in order to be successful at this level. That kid's 6'2", 6'3", at best, but man, is that kid good. Uh, and I feel that that three-headed monster of Wildman, Bogner, and Fisher, I feel like I've seen him for 20 years now. Uh, and Toby Izionu. That kid touches, last time I heard, was about 16 feet. And <laughs> going over, he was going over Merrick McHenry, who also touches, I think, 14 feet. So uh, that's, a, that's a, a, a gnarly piece to add to the whole thing. Penn State's just going to keep getting better. 
And 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 if you're John Kerr, you're going, man, I, I was having a good year. <laughs> and that just shows the depth. Brad hit on the head. That's that's the depth of the people in that gym this year that they have. Um, I can't wait for them to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned, you know, all of the pin hitters, but what about their middles? They had their freshman, Owen Rose, having a, he hadn't even seen Marsh yet. So pretty incredible what, what Pav's doing over there in Happy Valley. Thanks for reminding me about Owen Rose. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, I'm, I'm, we've already talked about some of the other matches that have happened. The uh, Loyola bouncing back and then, um, you know, wanting parting thoughts on that with a bounce back win before we go to our uh, next topic. All good. Parker Van Buren PVB is really darn good. Yeah, Loyola with a great bounce back match that night, made for great entertainment. But uh, let's go into uh, the top one or two athletes you saw in the week. If you had to name a player of the week, we'll go that route. Um, we'll start with ooh, look at Dan studying his notes. I like that. Studious. I can't see. I gotta get. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make you sound like awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll start. Um, so if anybody here is a history buff, uh, you remember there was a basketball game in where Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points. And I'm going to give you my impression of the imposing coach at halftime of that game. Uh, who's got Wilt, right? <laughs> so John Dietrich from PFW <laughs> Uh, was a one-man wrecking machine against us on uh, Saturday. He had 27 kills on 53 attempts, hitting 377. We had no answer for him. Here's the scary part. He only had 12 sets in the first two sets against us. So the majority of that came in the last three sets. And we were up 8-4 in the fifth and up 11-7 in the fifth and couldn't pull it out and lost 17-15. Uh, largely because of that guy. John Dietrich of PFW. It's a good call. How about uh, you, Dan? Uh, if you can that, see, that is. Yeah, well, Tanisha, <laughs> am I saying that right? Tanisha? Tanisha? Tanisha yep. was pretty impressive. You know, uh, on the bounce back win, 19 kills. Uh, even on the, the loss, he was pretty good. Um, with 20-some, I think he's pretty impressive and pretty fun to watch. Um uh, so he'd be one guy. Hickman's the other guy for me, uh, carrying a pretty big load for them. A couple uh, wins against Irvine as well as a couple wins earlier in the week. Uh, and so certainly two guys uh, that I thought are helping their teams get uh, wins. All right. And over to Brad. Yeah, for me, I got the two opposites in the Long Beach Loyola match. Clark Godbold, 20 kills, really efficient, really clean, and seven block assists. And then Parker Van Buren, 28 kills in a five-set match. Is is an impressive night and he saw a lot of those balls down the stretch and and had to take some big time swings against a good block so we got a couple good opposites and i think another dane chalmers we touched on briefly 17 kills no errors 25 attempts and then jasper had 17 kills and 26 kills in those matches against santa barbara as well and uh two impressive performances and he had 10 digs in the five set match too which is impressive for opposite like that Great call that, I mean, all those names worthy of, of great performances last week. Um, with the uh, conclusion of week five, only four teams remaining undefeated. 
you've got Charleston, uh, the EIVA. You've got Grand Canyon, MPSF, and then Hawaii and Long Beach State. Uh, Hawaii was not in action this week, but what can we, I guess, summarize so far now that week five has concluded what we've seen so far? And we'll start with uh, UJ. I think we've seen that uh, the, the tiering system that we've been talking about is pretty much ringing true. I think Long Beach, Hawaii, Penn State, UCLA, those are going to be the top teams moving on down the line. I think you're seeing a couple of teams jostling again, that group, Grand Canyon being one of them, I think is deservedly so. I think they should be considered in that group. Um, they got some big matches coming up that I think uh, are going to be able to, to open some people's eyes. And then I think the next group down, BYU and Stanford uh, and Irvine seem to be teams that are knocking on the door a little bit saying, Hey, we're here. Don't forget about us. Uh, and then after that, there's probably about 10 to 15 teams that on any given night can have good nights and, uh, and, and beat teams that are higher above them. Charleston is going to be a handful. So uh, it, I, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. I don't know who else they're playing outside of conference, uh, but uh, I only hope that it's some good teams, some quality teams from the Midwest and from the West coast. So we can really see what they're doing. And, <laughs> and that's unfortunate. All right. How about you, Dan? I agree, Jay. I think Charleston, though, I don't isn't going to get tested yet again this weekend. So it's like uh, we don't have a good feel for where are they really at. It'll probably be the weekend after that that you're going to see that. Um, but I, again, they're a talented group and they're taking care of business with their schedule. So uh, it puts them in a good spot as they get into conference play. So. But I do think, yeah, right now I think Grand Canyon deserves to be in that top five. They should be ranked fifth when the rankings come out. Uh, I think it's they're right in that mix of teams right there in terms of, you know, where they uh, are competing at right now. And certainly Hawaii and Long Beach have kind of shown. So I think um, five teams there that you could easily all see in the uh, uh, or close to the NCAA tournament uh, when we get towards the end later. So from that standpoint, so. Yeah, just so I had to look up uh, Charleston's schedule, but um, they've got Alderson Brodus this Tuesday, Wittenberg, the ninth, and another one, University of Rio Grande, Ohio. And then they start EIVA play on February 17th with two against Harvard. So um, I think the 17th will be the telling week here. So uh, let's go over to Brad. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, the top four teams, they aren't changing. And those, you know, like the UCLA, Penn State, that's very well could be a matchup we see in May. Um, in some capacity. Uh, and then after Grand Canyon going and showing their performance against UC Irvine, they, I think they're number five right there. And I, I was one of the ones, whether it was uh, being a big West Homer or just pumping up Rob, I, I thought UCI would be in that mix and being in that fifth spot and Grand Canyon has overtaken them right there. And I think right behind him is Pepperdine in six um, kind of going with Jalen Jasper. And if he has a good night, they can beat any of those top teams as well. Um, which is kind of similar for most of the top 12 or so uh, to have one or two sticks that have a good night. Um, and then from seven down, it's, it's really going to be a coin toss depending on who's having a good night, who's feeling good. And you saw it between the Stanford and CSUN match. Um, and I think Stanford's a big test is going to be this weekend um, that we'll probably get to in terms of things we want to look for, but them going up against Hawaii, Hawaii seeing some competition since um, the last few weeks has been a, uh, a little bit lighter competition for them. Um, it'll be a, a really good test to see uh, just how much better they are than some of the other teams. Yeah. Well, it's actually a great segue because 
what matches are you watching in week six? And with exception of the Big West, everyone has their conference play starting from what I can gather on the schedule. So you got NEC, Conference Carolinas, MIVA, EIVA started. And uh, what do you guys got? What are you guys watching? There's a lot of matches coming up. So let's start with uh, UJ. I'm going to be watching Northridge versus Princeton and then Northridge against NJIT. Um, I think Northridge coming off a good win has some motivation coming in and momentum coming in this week. And JIT and Princeton are both really, really good. Uh, and so I'm interested to see what they could do. Obviously, I'm going to be watching Long Beach UCLA. Uh, that's going to be um, another opportunity to see what UCLA does, does with their lineup. I know Dan mentioned it earlier about flipping the dial around and, and kind of seeing who's going to work and who's not. I'm, I'm interested to see if they, they're still doing that. The one that I'm going to be watching, though, however, is Lewis and Ball State. The reason being is Ball State uh, is historically uh, a tough place uh, to play. Dan, is it at their place or your place? No, it's at their place. Yeah, it's a tough place to play. It's a funky gym, wide open, uh, and it's there's not a lot of really you know close um sight lines that most players that don't play in it every day uh can see so if you're not used to that gym which i know dan is it's not like his team's never played there but if you don't play there every day uh it can be a little bit daunting at times so uh, i'm interested to see that i want to see if lewis bounces back and 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 starts to assert themselves a little bit more uh and see what ball state can do reaction wise but those are the ones i'm watching the most all right let's go to dan well, yeah, I'm certainly with Jay on the UCLA Long Beach one, uh, and they and they play twice, I believe. So, uh, how's the first night go compared to the second one? You know what I mean in terms of that. Brad mentioned, you know, uh, Stanford and Hawaii, so that's certainly another one that's on the radar. And uh, how does Hawaii respond, and what's going? And I believe that's is that at Hawaii or is that Stanford at, at Stanford? Mm, so I think that's good. It's, it's that travel test too. You know what I mean in terms of that uh, from a competition standpoint. So. Uh, and then the other one is, I think, BYU and Santa Barbara, right? Yep. They got yeah. two this week. Yeah. yeah. So so that'll be another good uh, test uh, in terms of seeing kind of BYU got a split. You know, how do they how do they handle Santa Barbara? Does Santa Barbara bounce back after a, a, a good win uh, as well in terms of that? So lots of good volleyball there, so, uh, which is great. All right. Over to Brad. Yeah, my last ones are kind of we touched on the other half of it, Lewis Ball State, but then McKendree, Ohio State. And just that kind of MIFA, MIFA kind of back and forth will be good. And then you have Lewis at Ball State. McKendree, Ohio State is going to be, um, you know, Ohio State coming off a big win against USC. Um, you know, future Big Ten uh, preview over there. And McKendree has been playing some really good volleyball all year long. So seeing them match up. And then Conference Carolina, North Greenville uh, versus King. North Greenville, I think, is probably the top team in, in Conference Carolina. So seeing them start off conference play strong. And then Rob, you'll probably know this better, but is this going to be the first weekend for NEC conference matches in terms of like, this is the first year of the conference existed, yes. right? So they're yep. taking off conference play. St. Francis FDU on the 10th is the first one. So I think that'll be a fun one to tune in and check out and, and see the play down there. And I know some of the players on both those programs and they'll be able to play. Yep. Well, I'm going to chip in mine and fill in for Theo's. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to be watching both of Dan's matches because Ohio state and ball state. Uh, I mean, not that you're going to have an easy week in the MIVA, but 
I mean, those are the top names that were being mentioned in the preseason polls. And, you know, those guys are always going to do a good job. So, and not that you're not going to do a good job, but it's just going to be a highly competitive couple of matches for you. And then uh, I want to see UC, USC and UC San Diego, not because you're on the screen, Brad, but, no. <laughs> but USC coming off of a tough weekend in Happy Valley. And uh, Dylan Klein is just really fun to watch, but also, you know, UC San Diego growing, getting better. You got a few more weeks under your belt into your coaching career, Brad. But I ran into Ryan Ka's family this last weekend at UC Irvine, whose daughter or his sister plays at Long Beach State Women's Basketball. Basketball I had to fill in and do my other shtick. So uh, they came up and introduced themselves. And I, you know, Ryan Ka, high flyer, great player for the Tritons. So, you know, those are the few I'm watching. And I'm working the Pepperdine UCI matches. So uh, I got to be at those ones. So, and, uh, you know, uh, Jay, you only have one match this week? Or did I not get that right? Yeah, no, we have one match next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, playing at 3 o'clock against NJIT. Don't ask me how I got started <laughs> into that schedule, but I did. Uh, but you know what? And I don't have any dog in the race in the uh, in the Super Bowl, so it really doesn't bother me too much. Well, that's a big one because NJIT also always pushed in the top of the EIVA. And, of course, because Jay's in there too, but, you know, there's high competition with NJIT, you know, especially uh, Roque Nito. Last time, so it, it was, uh, that was probably our best match of the season so far. So we have a couple more matches under our belt since then. We'll see if we can uh, we can put one together. So did you guys schedule at the same time as the Super Bowl, or are you going to go earlier? <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't remember how that all went down, but somehow <laughs> we got on the road on Super Bowl Sunday. So, you know, it is what it is, and it will we'll live. And do you have, like, a mid-set Super Bowl halftime performance going on there? <laughs> We're gonna be. We're gonna have wings delivered to the gym, and we're just gonna start eating wings and having a, a wing eating contest at the at the end of the whole thing. It's you know, chugging ranch dressing. We'll be doing it all. <laughs> all right. Any other topics that I may have overlooked, missed, or just plain uh, out forgot about that no, happened? Just one thing. Um, our match with USC, we had a scheduling miscommunication, so it's not happening. Um, and this was back in like january i think we caught it but so that's not happening but we have oh. the san diego alumni match going on instead so looks oh, out wow. saturday afternoon well it's still on the ncaa schedule uh where i get all my info from so all right hey gentlemen good luck this week appreciate your time as always that's jay hosick of george mason dan friend of lewis and brad rothstratter of uc san diego thanks for listening to college volleyball weekly be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter.